Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions, and music with Orb as the host. Oddly Funny Productions. We might be odd, but we bring the funny to you. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. A lot going on this week. Uh, right before we started recording, an appeals court ruled that Donald Trump did not have immunity in his 2020 election interference case. We just want to say a lot of things can happen between now when we're recording this and when the episode goes out. For example, Trump could appeal to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court could refuse to take the case or the lizard form that inhabits Trump's shell will say, fuck it and leave to look for another life form <laughs> with Ron DeSantis hoping it's him. The Supreme Court, speaking of which, will hear a case about whether Donald Trump can be on the presidential ballot in Colorado. At the Supreme Court, the justices are allowed to interrupt the attorneys arguing the case. I don't know if you knew this or not. Basically, the Supreme Court is like a podcast where one of the hosts is a racist. <laughs> And ironically enough, the one who stays silent is Clarence Thomas. <laughs> it was recently revealed that Mar-a-Lago has a secret room where more classified government documents may have been kept. No one was more surprised than Trump, who didn't know that that was a room where he could look for Melania. <laughs> Ron DeSantis' presidential campaign spent a total of $160 million, according to campaign finance reports, 
So for $160 million, he got 23,000 votes out of Iowa, which means he spent $7,000 per vote. People in Iowa were shocked when they discovered that they're worth $7,000. <laughs> South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem was banned from a reservation in that state after she expressed support for Texas's brutal tactics, stopping people from coming over the southern border. It must be refreshing for Native Americans to kick a white government official off of its land for once. <laughs> Imagine being such an asshole and such a degenerate that they won't even welcome you to throw away your paycheck at a casino. <laughs> a program generated a George Carlin comedy special using artificial intelligence. I personally don't like it. I don't agree with it. If I wanted to hear artificially written comedy constructed by some of the negative elements of modern technology, I check out Dave Chappelle. <laughs> and speaking of comedians propped up by bigots, Shane Gillis will host this week's Saturday Night Live. Bless his fans who are recovering from whiplash this week after spending so much time shit talking the show during his hiring firing in 2019. A man is suing McDonald's because of an allergic reaction to the dairy content of the cheese in a McDonald's Big Mac that almost killed him. It's a pretty serious claim, but on another note, he may have a case as no one expects real food to be an ingredient in McDonald's menu items. The McDonald's dollar menu pretty much states we can't think of another valid use for this shit. And now on with the show. Please join me in welcoming Jeff Heisen, Polite Kitty, and Chip Jones. Hey, hey Tom. Hello. So what's everyone been up to this week? Well, it's exciting to be here, Tom. And uh, <laughs> I, you mentioned uh, Dave Chappelle. Uh, you know, Chip and, and and I have shared the stage before. And one of the ways that we try to do, one of the things we try to do when we're on stage is entertain people and make them laugh and hope they're having a good time. But according to the people who vote on the Grammys, the way to win the best comedy album is to insult people, belittle people, punch down, and then act like you're the victim, the way Dave Chappelle did. So Tripp and I have a lot to learn. <laughs> I had a uh, I had a very interesting week. Um, some of you know my cat's getting up there in age, and does this thing where he just he lays around. You know, doesn't really do anything as much. He's not into stuff as he used to be. He has more moments where he's not like that. So I'm doing this thing where I'm, I'm googling a whole bunch of the symptoms. Like, okay, what do I do if, if this? What do I do if that? And finally, I just had to Google what do I you know what are the signs that I need to take my cat for the final vet visit what do i need to do if i if i put him down and apparently i don't know if cats understand this stuff or if mine does because i did it using the uh the hey google the the voice to text search thing because immediately all of a sudden he started walking around he started he's like hey yo what hell? it's like it's, it's like the co-worker who goofs off all the time and then when the boss comes and he thinks he's going to be fired he's <laughs> He's, he suddenly starts being being very productive. What I'm trying to say is as hard as cats are to decipher, basically this week I learned how to conquer the animal kingdom. <laughs> put, put, your, put your cat on notice. That's it. <laughs> yeah. 
Donald Trump spent three minutes on the witness stand in his defense in the second defamation trial against E. Jean Carroll. That's surprising. Three minutes is very surprising as he has the attention span of a goldfish who senses he's about to be flushed down the toilet. <laughs> it was recently revealed that millions of his presidential campaign donations have gone to his legal expenses. Now, his supporters know that thanks to Trump's legal woes, his coffers are being drained faster than a truck driver's wallet at a strip club with video poker machines. <laughs> but enough about my experiences being on the road. Let's get on to a relevant topic. And joining us tonight to go ahead and discuss the big E. Jean Carroll verdict, the second one, please join me in welcoming therapist, retired educator, human rights activist, and most importantly, my friend, Lucy Strassball. Thank you, Tom. Good to be here. Real good to be here. Lucy, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is, like, in addition to human rights, like, especially uh, treatment of women, especially treatment of women at the hands of very famous and powerful men is also, it also seems to be a, a big topic that you follow. Um, your thoughts on E. Jean Carroll's, not just her first win, but her her second one, that's the seemingly the bigger of the two? Well, it's, you know, it's well-deserved, um, justice denied, you know, ju like justice, like if it comes too late, is almost denied. And so it was pretty close to that. The, the uh, verdict, though, and the punitive damages that he's going to have to pay is really significant. And I knew all during that hot mess of an administration. Um, there's other words I would have used for it, but I don't want to, you know, get you in trouble with anybody. But the hot mess of that. My listeners have heard worse. So. I'm sure. By me, but you know, so that's. I knew. For four straight years, the only cleanup was going to be in the courtrooms and it was going to be financial pain because from my observations, there are maybe two or three Republican males in the United States of America that are in any kind of office that have actual spines. Right. So mm -hmm. ain't nothing going to come through political anything. And for me, the most significant thing about this verdict, having spent 41 years as an educator of young high school women in an all-girls school. I'll tell you, the day he was elected president, there were tears in that building. And I know many of the tears were from sexual assault victims. Mm. Um, I don't know if your listeners know this, but this is not a safe country for women, girls, little children. 25% of American females are sexually assaulted by the time they're 18. And that number just continues to go up as they get older because the sexually assaults don't stop. So it was horrifying in the first place that a man charged not only by her, but by 26 other women, credible accus accusations, that after all of those charges and after his you know, blatantly saying what he grabs women by, that over half of this country went and voted for him. If you're a sexual assault victim, that is a terrifying moment for you. That is a moment where you know half the country either doesn't believe you or might believe you and doesn't care, simply doesn't care. It doesn't matter. So, so this verdict is kind of a bulwark, I hope. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into, you know, who's going to vote for him and who's not. But if I knew males 
who voted for him, I would seriously question their attitudes about women. And well, if they have an inner rapist that felt comforted by having the president rapist be president. So well, that's, that's my off the top of my head. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that kind of segued into what else I wanted to what else I wanted to ask you. I wish I pulled this clip, but it was uh, James Carville who was on. It was on with. I Robert love him. Oh. I disagree with him a lot about some political stuff, but he's a hoot. He really is. Yeah. And he brought up uh, he, he brought up something where he said that, you know, basically it, Donald Trump is he's, he's pretty much been adjudicated a rapist. Yes. Like it, it's 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 a conviction only in the civil sense. He's not going to do any prison time for it, but he's been found to be a rapist. Liable. He, he, He's already been he's already been liable to be a uh, a fraudster, according to the according to New York State. His business, if it were an entity, was found to be a tax cheat. So when you look at all these polls, this is where I, I tend to not really want to believe polls anymore, where they say right. all these polls that say, oh, Trump's out doing Biden and such and such uh, stuff, because there's. We could do a whole other episode about polls. Mm -hmm. But when you see all these polls that say, oh, this many Republicans will not support Donald Trump if he's the nominee and he's been uh, and he's been convicted of a crime. Civilly speaking, he's already been he's already been convicted and the level of support mm -hmm. has not has has not gone down. So I don't I mean, I I would love to see something like that happen where the, his support would go down and the number of people who would vote for him drop. I mean, I, I thought that was going to happen both in 2016 and 2020. I was very disappointed when that didn't happen, but like part of me thinks is, is it going to happen? And I don't, well, I just don't know if it will. Trump is a walking, talking id, you know, the id is the part of our psychology that is toddlers, you know, barely even toddlers. That's mm -hmm. all he is. He is hate personified. And I really think that people feel good voting for him because they he hates what they hate. Uh, and I hate to say that, but it it makes me afraid to be here if you get elected if he gets elected again. It, it makes sure. as much as he already has made things unsafe for women. Now he's he's going to enable more haters to enact hate, hateful acts, and and I find that really scary. I think I'll go ahead and find out, like, if Trump wins again, I'll find out which island John Fugelsang and Steve Hofstetter mm -hmm. are going to when that happens, mm -hmm. and I'll see if I can. I'll yes. see if I can try and claim asylum. Well, and I just found welcome, out, you guys are more than welcome to come with me. Yeah, I might, but I just found out I could get dual citizenship because my great grandmother was born in Ireland. If I can sure dig can. out what her name is, <laughs> you know, that's my plan. <laughs> what about great great grandparents? Uh, no, it stops at great. Yeah. No! You two far out. Polite. Why are you so happy about this? Because I'm in the same position. I'm like basically all Irish. My grandparents were from Ireland and I'm in the process of trying to get dual citizenship for awesome. that just in case. Awesome. <laughs> I didn't know Kitty was an Irish name. <laughs> yeah, we're very you, Irish. <laughs> you mean O Kitty, but not just Kitty. Yeah, her her ancestors, <laughs> when they got to Ellis Island, they took the O off, you know, just to, save, right. just to save all that trouble. While detractors of former presidents hope they will be held legally accountable for actions they commit, it took until Donald Trump for such an occurrence to happen, hence the historic significance. 
In this clip from her interview with her attorneys Robbie Kaplan and Sean Crowley by her side, E. Jean Carroll sums up the verdict of her most recent legal action. I have to ask you, you know, President Trump has kept your name out of his mouth since being told he has to pay $83 million to you for what he's done in the past. But over the weekend, he did start posting links online to articles that attacked you and denied your claims again. He seems to be pushing it already in terms of whether or not he is going to go back to calling you a liar and denying that he did what he did. Um, if it if it came to it, if your lawyers told you that there was another case and that you should go back and get more money out of him and sue him again, would you do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It wasn't too much. Um, it wasn't too much wear and tear on you. I mean, the, the guts factor here is real in terms of how much you put yourself out there. A lot Rachel, of big, Rachel, strong people this... have been putting themselves, wouldn't put themselves through what you've gone through. Rachel, many people, as, as you know, have been through much worse than I went through at that trial. People suffered m more difficult things than I've ever been through in my life. Um, and I am more than willing to do it again because we achieved so much in a seven-day trial. We did what people thought was impossible. We beat Donald Trump. I mean, in four words, E. Jean Carroll managed to sum up the impact of however many hundred years of, of American jurisprudence and however many years uh, women have been taking on powerful men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love her confidence. And I love the fact that she said she'd do it again, because, you know, he's going to say more stupid defamatory yes. things and and uh, she'll take him on again and she'll kick his ass again. Mm -hmm. I think he I think he's already done it again. I, mm -hmm. I, I think he's he's not, skirting he's the, the line. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. skirting the line. Yeah. And, and I personally really I agree. I don't think he's going to be able to contain himself and it's it really might bankrupt him you know i i wish i had a sense of what his pile of money is worth or his properties or whatever because i really think he's going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel pretty soon oh, his yeah. finances and he's already been scraping the bottle of many barrels <laughs> for many many yeah. years <laughs> exactly i mean i've always wondered is this going to set a precedent now for future cases and other trials and how is that going to play out in the court system? And the thing that made me the most happy was the interview that Eugene Carroll did after the verdict when somebody said, what are you going to do with the money? And she said, whatever will irritate Trump <laughs> the most, whatever will upset him the most. So she has already started a fund that other women raped by Donald T. Trump can apply to for help with their healing. Really. And following up on what Polite asked, it should give other women confidence uh, to, to sue him because there are other victims of his bad acts. So I think this will give more rise to more, more litigation. Oh. On the first episode of 2024, we said on this show that the Trump attorney who said I'd rather be pretty than smart was Christina Bob. In fact, it was Alina Haba. On behalf of everyone on this podcast, I regret the error. I also want to note this is the second mea culpa I've had to issue on this show, thus making the first independent comedy podcast 
hosted by a straight cisgendered white man to do so at all, in addition to being the first independent comedy podcast hosted by a straight cisgendered white man not to be racist. (laughs) I'm happy to be a trailblazer. With her track record in defending Donald Trump in court, Alina Haba is lucky that she's not being buried alive at one of Donald Trump's golf courses. In this clip, we get Haba's assessment of the trial while talking to reporters. No, no. I'm glad you asked me that question. No, I'm not having any second thoughts about representing President Trump. It is the proudest thing I could ever do. What I am having second thoughts about is the license that I stand here with that the people in there are supposed to have. I have not spoken because I respect my ethics while I'm on trial. But let me now speak about what has happened. I have sat on trial after trial for months in this state, the state of New York. Attorney General Letitia James, and now this. Weeks, weeks. Why? Because President Trump is leading in the polls, and now we see what you get in New York. So don't get it twisted, whoever asked me that question. I am so proud to stand with President Trump. But I am not proud to stand with what I saw in that courtroom. She seems like she would be an absolute dullard at parties. Mm-hmm. And it's horrific to be around. I am proud to stand with President Trump. And it's a travesty what's happening in that right, courtroom. Right. I'm like, mm-hmm. la- lady, I only asked if you thought there was too much cilantro in the guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because this is the talking point of the Republicans is how this is all about him leading the polls. But actually, the litigation started before the uh, the running of uh, for presidency. Of so before he was being polled. Of course. So the the trials didn't come about because of his leading in the polls. It's, it's all persecution. It's it's all he's a victim. He's mm-hmm. a victim. I love what she said. I'm very proud of my ethics when I'm I'm in I'm involved in a trial. You mean you're not worried about your ethics four <laughs> hours seven days a week? <laughs> and she better be careful because what's I mean, I don't know the exact number or percentage, but a very high percentage of every lawyer he's ever had have had prison terms. Right. So <laughs> and, even, and, and, and even higher have never gotten paid. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, if if you're in prison, you don't need to worry about payments. So it's like, That's you right. know, it's a, on the one hand, but on the other. That's right. I'll pay you on license plates. <laughs> I mean, she'll be in prison just yelling at somebody. I was proud to be his lawyer. You know, that's what makes me the most sad is when I see the, um, I guess, the feminist equivalent of the term being a race traitor. You know, somebody like Tim Scott, you know, I don't know if I'm right or wrong on that, but my perceptions, <laughs> Tim Scott, are, are pretty sketchy, you skeevy. Um, women who defend the patriarchy to the degree that these Republican women are, I I have no point of connection with. You know, I I don't feel safe around them. I don't trust them. They make me very sad. And and they're hurtful to the country and to young women growing up, you know, Mm. sad. One of the complaints that Trump had about E. Jean Carroll was that she called her cat Vagina. It wasn't so much the name as he wasn't able to get access to it. Mm. 
In this clip from a CNN presidential campaign town hall, Trump himself shows us why he was sued for defamation a second time. Speaking of New York, I want to ask you about a significant verdict that was reached yesterday. I know this is something you want to weigh in on as well. A Manhattan jury found that sure. you sexually abused the writer E. Jean Carroll and defamed her. You've denied this. But what do you say to voters who say it disqualifies you from being president? What's happening is they're doing this for election interference. This woman, I don't know her. I never met her. I have no idea who she is. Just so you understand. Ready? I never met this woman. I never saw this woman. This woman said, I met her at the front door of Bergdorf Goodman, which I rarely go into other than for a couple of charities. I met her in the front door. She was about 60 years old, and this is like 22, 23 years ago. I met her in the front door of Bergdorf Goodman. I was immediately attracted to her, and she was immediately attracted to me. And we had this great chemistry. We're walking into a crowded department, so we had this great chemistry. And a few minutes later, we end up in a, a room, a dressing room of Bergdorf Goodman, <laughs> right near the cash register. And then she found out there are locks on the door. So she said, I found one that was open. She found one. She learned this at trial. She found one that was open. What kind of a woman meets somebody and brings them up, and within minutes, you're playing hanky-panky in a dressing room, okay? I mean, this really is a disorder that he has, mm -hmm. like where he just can't, he can't seem to, to stop doing this. I mean, I, I sort of played these out of chronological order because I didn't want his voice to be the first video that I shared. I, 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 I kind of learned that after about, you know, nearly, nearly 90 episodes, not to go ahead and, and, and torture my panel with that. But it's still it's it's still going on to to this day is a sociopathic narcissist. And one of the the um, indicators of that dis that personality disorder is a, a lack of impulse control. He's he's his is the worst I have ever seen. <laughs> you notice he said well, he had to throw in she's 60 years old at the time. And she wasn't. And she wasn't right. Yeah. But as as if uh he's incapable of <laughs> doing anything with her because she was so old. Yeah. But, you know, it's part of his hucksterism. You know, it's, it, it's this, uh, and it, and it works. I mean, advertisement works. He keeps saying the same things over and over again. I think, you know, it helps him change it in his mind. So he actually believes that this is the real tale. And then for other people, they start to buy into it. Because they've heard the same story over and over and over again, that uh, by rote it becomes a rewritten history. You know. Yes. Yeah, he performs it almost like a comedian. It's a tale. It's an experience right. for him, and he's reliving it every time he gets to tell that story. It's the narcissistic part of him. Right. And uh, yeah, and what's really scary, you know, like we've said, is that those people in the front row, like some of them are women, and they're laughing hysterically, <sighs> and just it's so invalidating to women in general. I wonder if they're so traumatized that. They don't know that what they're watching is real. They think they're watching a TV show, and this is just this is just how they're coping with it. Well, like I said, it's advertisement. They keep hearing that same story over and over. You know, it's one of those reasons why eyewitness testimony is so dubious is because people's minds actually change what they recollect. You know, you keep hearing the stuff over and over again, or somebody who you quote unquote respect at at one point tells you you know the hat was 
blue instead of red, your mind actually changes that. The history is changed. Now, what made Trump think he could get away with treating women like E. Jean Carroll in such fashion and think there would be no consequences? This clip from a Frontline special before the 2020 election can give us some idea. He was determined to live up to his father's ideal, be a killer. But he was also tempestuous, impulsive, and at 13, his father sent him to military school. He talks about it as almost this rite of passage. He said to me that when he arrived at the military academy, for the first time in his life, someone slapped him in the face when he got out of line. It would be a five-year lesson in how to be a bully. Donald Trump yelled at his classmates, he pushed them around, he even used a broomstick uh, as a weapon against classmates who didn't listen to him when he told them what to do. All of us were part of this culture of you beat on kids when they didn't do the right thing. You got hit, you might have gotten slammed against the wall, you were put in, in, in uh, you got put artificially into fights. Uh, He became a leader of the cadets. He became one of the student leaders uh, who had a number of kids under him uh, in the dormitories, and he ruled the dormitory life with an iron fist. Inside that brutal world, Donald had found his place. His mother told me that he was never homesick. He loved it. He loved all that stuff because it was also really competitive. Other kids didn't really like him all that much. He, he wasn't that popular because he was so competitive. He was always looking for the edge, but it was a, it was an environment that he thrived in. With his father and mother by his side, Donald graduated. He'd become a killer, learned the power of bullying to get ahead, a method he'd carry into the future. I want to apologize to the listeners who got ulcers after hearing uh, a certain terminology <laughs> in, in that yeah. video, like using a broomstick, like, whoa, yeah. no, mm -hmm. no. <laughs> you know, the one thing they left out, though, is apparently he was president of the Bone Spur Club. So uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know why they left that out. And that place sounds like a training academy for fascist leaders, you know. It, not it reminds me of Taps. Do you see the movie Taps? <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's a, a Tom Cruise character, I guess, is patterned after Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And on that note, that's our show. I want to thank Jeff Heisen, Polite Kitty, Chip Jones, and Lucy Strassball. Thank you. Hey, hey, thank you. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Polite Kitty, and Chip Jones, and guest Lucy Strassball. Theme music composed and arranged by Jeroen Vandenheer. Executive producers Tom Myers, Matt Connerton for IPN Nation, and Eddie Carson for Odyssey Radio. Please leave a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast's Patreon early access to episodes, ad-free episodes, extended episodes, bonus clips, and more. Thank you for listening, and please visit tommyers.us.
Hey everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to even more of it. That's right, you can listen to extended versions of each episode by subscribing to my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Tom Myers. You can also check out bonus clips, and you can listen to these episodes before they air on IPM, Nation, and Odyssey Radio. Plenty of benefits, plenty of extra goodies. Doesn't really cost that much at all. Sign up today. Patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone! I'm Orb! I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Ace. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.